Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Hey, good morning. And let's just give a little hallelujah. Because this has been the best week we've had in a good long while. Um, I just, I'm just ecstatic. And great soaking rains. Everything in my yard is just, you know, perked up. And I'm sure y'all have the same experience if you got the rain. Uh, wasn't a lot of runoff, though. I'll have to say that because I guess the soil was just so dry. So I doubt seriously if it helped the... Uh, the lakes any. Uh, but I don't know about that. It might have. I have to check that out. But anyway, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. This is the Austin Gardener. And we welcome your comments and your calls and your texts. And so let me give you the numbers. 512-836-0590 is the call or text number. And we have a toll-free line, which is 877 590 5525. So again, 512 836 0590, or, and that's call or text. Um, so anyway, I, I imagine we're all rejoicing. Um, you know, I talked to my brother uh, Friday, I guess it was, in New Braunfels, and I was like, hey, did y'all, you know, get some good rain? Because I was looking at the radar. It looked like they were fixing to get some good rain, too. And he said, no, he barely got three drops. And I, I didn't talk to him Saturday, so I don't know. I, and I got a really good rain Saturday. But uh, it wasn't everywhere, that's for sure. So I hope you got it wherever you live and that your yard is looking as uh, perky as mine is right now. I was kind of hoping to see more of a response from the roadsides. Uh, maybe that'll come. But, you know, everything's just so dead along the highway so many trees are suffering um we're gonna have an interesting if we get any more rain and i don't know if we've got any uh coming uh doesn't sound like immediately anyway but now that it's a little cooler we've got a little bit of soil moisture um hoping that trees have time to relief kind of get some strength back and then um you know, it'll be a fairly normal fall. This is my hope, of course. I, who knows? But anyway, uh, it's just it's a, at least a break, you know, a real break. We could actually sit outside without just being soaking wet, uh, which I've been doing a lot. Oh, but you know, my big red oak, I, I, I had a three-trunked native red oak standing up behind my house, which is the most beautiful thing in the world. Well, a third of it went down in the ice storm. And then, I don't know, it was Friday. I look out the, uh, I look out there, I'm like, something's different, and realize that the big main center trunk had fallen. It must have happened when I wasn't home or if I was asleep in the middle of the night because it just gave up and just fell over it's just heartbreaking it just uh, uh now there's only one trunk left who knows when it'll go but i guess it was weakened by the freeze 
and finally just gave up. I think it gave up after it started raining, so maybe it was just barely hanging on. I'm sure it was damaged, um, and then it just couldn't come back. Okay, we've got a caller online. We'll go to that, but if you want to join in, 512-836-0590, call or text. Hey, Denise, how are you doing? Hi. Hey. I'm, do- I'm doing all right. Wish I would have gotten some of that rain that other areas got, but maybe I'll be the lucky Elgin, one next time. Really? Elgin didn't get it? Not. Uh, I'm between Maynard and Elgin, and we got a quarter of an inch through all of it. Oh, dang. Sorry about but that. Anyway, my, my question is, as it's turning cooler, and I'm thinking about... Um, separating and dividing some perennials that have gotten larger mm-hmm. the the gulf muley both the regular one that's got the white plumes and the one that has a pretty pink plumes um are those do they reseed themselves or do you have to divide them both they'll reseed themselves and you can also grasses are super easy to divide you know you can just take uh as long as you get enough roots you know uh, you can just slice down with a, a sharpshooter or a trowel or something and take a hunk and dig down. Make sure you get a lot of roots, and then you can put it somewhere else or put it in a container and, you know, let it grow out. Um, okay. Or you can collect seeds. And the only thing about seeds is that the viability varies from year to year. So sometimes you get real high germination pardon me, rates on your uh, seeds, and sometimes not. So it's not, okay. it's not as quite as reliable as doing, you know, cuttings or separations, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So, so they don't generally reseed themselves and start new plants on their own. It's something that has to be intentional. No, no. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you were, say, you wanted to collect seeds... And start okay. a bunch of seeds on your own. Some years you'd have better luck than others. Is all I'm saying. And, and okay. it, you I, know, same in the ground. I, right, right. I, I just I haven't seen them um, reseed and come up with new plants. But where I have them, I also happen to have, uh, unfortunately, spear grass. And at this point, with no spears on it, they kind of look the same. And it's like I want to pull this if it's spear grass, but if it's <laughs> the Gulf Muley baby. <laughs> Coming up from seed, I'd like to leave it and then transplant it. Yeah, it's really hard to tell at a very early age what it is. You know, okay. uh, you just got to... Uh, but you're, you're right about one thing. Gulf muley is not one of the most aggressive spreaders, um, unlike something like, say, Mexican feathergrass, which can really seed out, or even any of the other, you know, like side oats grandma or little blue stem, some of them... Typically, right. we'll seed out a lot more easily. But I didn't know there was a white gulf muley. Well, I, I, I don't know if they call it a gulf muley. It is a, it is a type of muley, uh, and it just has the, the, the white, white plumes yeah. that are not as full and pretty. It, mm-hmm. The plant's a lot bigger, and it's, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not a pampas grass or pampas grass, whatever it's called, but it, it is definitely a gulf muley. It's just not the, the pink one. Huh. Well, I bet that'd be pretty. Uh, but I love Gulf Muley. I hope they come out and bloom, uh, that we get enough water this fall for them. Or maybe you've right. been keeping yours watered, and that's always helpful. So. I kept it alive. I don't think it's going to bloom. Hardly anything has bloomed in my yard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm just, you know, this is going to be an interesting fall. Let's see what happens. Uh, like, 
like I heard Jeff talking about his Turks cap had already started blooming again. I looked out in the yard and so are mine. And right. they had mine, Yeah. Yeah. Mine so. mine have started blooming too and and my um rock, rock roses are blooming really well now. It, um, the the only thing that I can say was bulletproof this summer is the blackfoot daisy, almost no water and it has not stopped blooming all summer long. That's awesome. I've had good luck with Esperanza this summer too, and yeah, uh, true. You know, it's it's blooming pretty. And of course, the uh, Pride of Barbados did really well. I was impressed by what I did see that you know didn't seem terribly affected by it. But right, uh, thank you for your help. I appreciate it, and I'll be hoping for some more rain. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Bye bye. Okay, we have lines open, 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. Uh, we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, I want to talk about Mountain Laurels. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we're back. In um, call or text 512-836-0590. Um, okay, Mount Laurel. So I was looking at a text that Jeff got this morning that says, we have a Texas Mount Laurel on a slight slope. Can I successfully encourage growth up versus um, spawning outward? And he said, yes, they do accept shaping, make clean cuts with sharp tools. No need to paint them. What I would add to this is that we do not prune or hedge Mount Laurels in the fall. Uh, they will have their bloom spikes on them. I don't know if mine's got me on them right now. I haven't looked at it closely, but typically, and it could be the, because of the rain, if they didn't have them, they'll put them on now. Uh, all these uh, maintenance companies that don't know what they're doing, that just go in and shape everything into cubes and balls and what have you they always cut off the bloom uh, buds of the mount laurels so i would say you can you can prune it i mean especially if you want to cut off whole branches but don't go around and hedge a mount laurel this time of year the time to cut them is after they finish blooming in the spring um so they're just a wonderful evergreen but I've actually had clients, and you've probably heard me say this before, who had no idea that Mount Laurels bloomed because they're dumb guys that, again, just all they know how to do is just get in there and cut everything uh, or are just not paying attention or didn't aren't aware that the Mount Laurels put on those bloom spikes. Um, and so, anyway, as far as growing straight on a slope... That's going to be hard, um, and they will always grow towards the sun. So if they're getting, you know, shade on the upside of the Mount Laurel, then the, um, the you know, the sunny side's always going to try to go that direction towards the sun. So I'm not sure what your situation is, but typically if they're getting full sun, a Mount Laurel's going to be fairly... Um, symmetrical in other words it's going to put out multiple trunks it wants you know a, a nice big wide bushy shape and then as they get older they look more tree-like right 
anyway, that's my two cents on mountain laurels. Just don't hedge them in the fall. Uh, if you need to lose a branch, you can do that any time. And Jeff's absolutely right. You don't need to paint them. Um, they're not that, that kind of thing. Okay, uh, 512-836-0590, call or text. Um, yeah, here's another text, and he answered it just as I would have. Is it okay to spray liquid molasses on my lawn right now? And if so, should I spray the grass that is brown or just the green grass that's primarily in the shade? Uh, and Jeff said, it's a little hot. You could do it now, but it would be better in cooler and hopefully wetter weather. And yes, spray everything. Molasses helps the soil, not just the growing things. And that's exactly what I would have said. The soil is what benefits from molasses, right? Because what it is is a just a, a, a bump of carbs for the microorganisms in the soil. It's just like if you drank a you know, a Coke or something, you'd, you'd get a lot of sugar all at one time. And that's uh, helpful to the soil microorganisms. So even if the grass is brown, and I agree, I think it's, you know, it's a little, I'd probably could, you could do it this weekend. You can spray seaweed anytime pretty much. Um, but especially when things are starting to rebound, when they start growing again, that's a good time to sort of bump things up for them. Um, because really the soil microorganisms have probably taken a serious hit this, uh, this summer, right? Because it's like everything else, they didn't have enough soil moisture. You know, if you're watering a little bit, then that's, that's helping them keep them alive. So, uh, but yeah, spraying, probably want to wait a little bit to start spraying too much stuff. Uh, here's a text that I'm not sure I know the answer to. How harmful is Grub-X to pets? We have a large area to treat, and nematode application would be costly and labor-intensive. I will use nematodes if that is best in your opinion. Uh, well, that's always my preference, but here's the other thing. A lot of times we overestimate grub uh, populations and damage. You know, a lot of times people will tell you, oh, that's grubs. But you, what you have to do is get out there and dig a hole in the area that you're worried about, right? Dig a good hole, deep as you can, foot around if possible, and then count how many grubs are in that hole. And if it's six, seven, eight, that, that's not a problem. I mean, if there's 20, you may have a problem uh, because they do. If you do have a grub problem, they will eat the roots of things, but most people go crazy thinking grubs are, you know, tearing th things up. You'll get grubs a lot of times if you have a light outside, right? Because a lot of grubs are June bug larvae. So that's another thing. If you have a light and they're attracted to that, you know, you might dig around that light area and find lots more grubs than you would imagine. But typically, people think it's grubs and it's really not that may not be the real problem so i would like to hear um and i don't know about grub x if somebody does please let me know i don't i'm not sure i know other things that we put out for grubs can be damaging to pets so 
Uh, let's see. Yes, they do that in our neighborhood to the chase trees. Yeah, probably talking about hedging all the bloom spikes off, all the bloom buds. Yeah, I mean, people, you got to be sure that your uh, people know what they're doing. Um, so you have to offer some help, and it's not convenient if they don't speak your language. So you have to, uh, like, if, let's say, for instance, you don't want them to touch your tree, your mountain laurels in the fall. You may have to learn, uh, put a little sign out or talk to the, the guys and just say, no corta, which means don't cut. Hang a little sign on there. No toca, don't touch. No corta, don't cut. Something like that. But I, I'm of the opinion that you need to have somebody that can communicate with you in that business. And uh, that, you know, because not everybody knows what they're doing. If they're not from here and they haven't studied plants here, uh, I'm not saying they're all bad or anything, but you need somebody that's got some local knowledge, right? Uh, and that I would demand from my maintenance company. Absolutely demand that. So you need a foreman that's there talking to you, speaking your language, and um, getting your preferences down. Okay, here's another text. And by the way, if you want to call or text 512-836-0590, uh, or you can use the toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. Uh, here's one that says, is it too soon to spread winter rye seed? Yes, it is too soon. It germinates in cool weather, um, low, much lower soil temperatures. So you want to wait until late October, preferably, and then put it down. Germinates pretty fast, so you can even do it in November. I mean, if it starts getting cold early, which please, hopefully it will. Never thought I'd look forward to cold weather, but I'm sure looking forward to it. Um, that's when your rye will be most successful. You got to wait till it gets cooler. So, yeah, don't waste your seed, basically. Let's see here. Uh, whoa. Okay. I just got a photo. And again, I can't enlarge it, but I hear we're going to be getting a new. Um, text program that will allow me to do that again. What is this? It is growing off the graft of my climbing rose. Well, it's a fungus. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like mushrooms. So that means something's decomposing in that area or the spores were available right there. As long as the rose looks good, it should be okay. I'm not positive um, if it is a sign that the graft is failing, uh, but that might be uh, a, a question for somebody that's more of a rose expert. You might want to consider shooting that photo to the master gardeners at AgriLife, whatever county you're in. If you're in Travis County, just go to AgriLife, Travis County. And that's where the master gardeners are, that they, they will look at this photo and, and a, a real expert will tell you. But I'm, I'm a little worried about the graft, if that's what's happening. 
Um, but it could just be an opportunistic little mushroom. Uh, if you put compost down there, a lot of times you can get mushroom spores in the compost. And then, you know, we get a little moisture and boom, there's a mushroom. So I would try to see if it's connected to the, the actual graft. Um, you say it's growing off the graft, so you probably know best. But it, it looks like it could be just below the graft to me. Okay, time for the news. We'll be back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay. We need to update that intro uh, to say that it's a text line as well. 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. We have several texts here to go through. Uh, but first, I just want to remind you that if you have a project you want done, a landscaping project, please consider Kevin Wood Landscapes. Uh, you can go to the website, kevinwoodlandscapes.com, um, and look at the projects that we've done over time. And we can do anything that you need done, you know, and that includes all kind of construction, irrigation systems, lighting and very knowledgeable about plants. You know, we specialize in using native Texas plants and really good soil amendments. And we just want it to last, want it to be sustainable. So I appreciate it if you would uh, consider Kevin Wood Landscapes. Now, here is a text. Uh, Are the white mushrooms that have popped up in Bermuda grass dangerous for dogs? Bad for the grass? Also, yellow ones are in my hibiscus pots. Thanks, Lisa and Hutto. Listen, I would not let my dog eat any mushroom. I wouldn't eat a mushroom in the yard unless I knew exactly what it was. I do have a friend that just was telling me about foraging for mushrooms recently, um, but she's very knowledgeable about that. So either one of them, they will not hurt the grass whatsoever, but I would not let my dog, if your dog, uh, you just got to know what you're looking at, okay? And anyway, uh, until you figure it out 100%, do not let the dogs eat them. They're easy to just pop off, you know, and get rid of. Um, and you can take the ones out of the pots. It's just, a, again, spores are everywhere. When the conditions are right, they will pop up. A lot of times it's on decomposing matter, of course. Um, That's why they grow on old rotten logs and that sort of thing. So, but no, do not let your dogs eat them. Uh, And then try to get a a good ID on them. Uh, There's bound to be some good information on mushrooms out there, native ones, but I'm not the, I'm not that knowledgeable about it. Uh, Is this time for thinning and transplanting iris? Yes, you can certainly do that now. Uh, So, yeah, I would consider it's odd but september is a really good time to transplant things and separate things divide things we still have plenty of time before winter for things to get good root growth and start getting reestablished if we divide certain plants but yeah iris iris will get so thick in a bed i'm, I'm talking about flag iris and i assume you are too um they can get so thick in a bed, too crowded, so that they'll actually stop a blooming. And when that happens, you have to thin them 
And if you can do that, gently lift them with a garden fork. Um, be sure, you know, that you're not destroying the, the bulb in the process. Then you lift them, separate them, uh, give everything plenty of room, throw down some new compost, uh, and, and plant your other ones somewhere else or give them away. But, yeah, you can do that right now. Let's see this next test says. Given our crazy weather of the past two years, any advice on when I should put down pre-emergent? Okay, a couple times a year, you pre if you want to get rid of the winter weeds, you typically would do that in like the third week of October, even the last week of October, usually. Um, and then we used to say February, but it's, again, it has been crazy the last few years, warmer, earlier, colder, later, what have you. Uh, I think pre-emergent would go down in probably mid-January because the uh, the things that really are, you know, problematic for spring last, this past uh, spring early, I had, before I knew what was happening, uh, the biggest stand of the little Velcro plant you've ever seen. It was just thick uh, in my flower beds. It, it had a good year. That and the beggar slice. A real good year in my yard anyway. So, yeah, I would probably consider doing that um, in October. Let's see. Here's the next one. Um... Let's see here. Hi, Cheryl. Uh, two questions. I cannot for the life of me remember what type of plant the one with the pink center is. We got it when it was just a little baby. It's been doing great in the greenhouse. And until a few weeks ago, what's going on with its leaves? Um, same with the other plant. Not sure what it is but the leaves have recently started to yellow both are in the greenhouse get some sun through the roof well the first one it looks like a hosta uh and those that white edge it looks to me like they're getting way too hot uh and possibly way too wet the second one is a bromeliad i mean it almost looks like sunburn um ashley i'm just not sure what is uh, going on with the bromeliad, but the um, the little hosta, I think, if that, in fact, is what it is, is what it looks like to me, is obviously just either getting burned up or uh, just way too wet. So, okay, let's go to Southwest Austin for a phone call from Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good there, young lady. Hope you're doing well. So, yeah, um, happy. I just wanted to kind of piggyback on your comment about, you know, the tree trimmers and those type of things. And recently I've been having to deal with one of my elderly aunt's trees. And it looks different when you're up in the tree versus sometimes looking down. Um, I had to, I've had to take some limbs out of one of hers because I could see they were split mm -hmm. up in the tree versus from the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having to have a guy come out or some, a company come out and take care of this tree fruit. And the, you can. It really helps to have somebody that's very knowledgeable, like you said, because 
the guy was up in the tree trimming some stuff that I didn't want to get to, and he just said, look, here's a, here's a split limb up here. What do you want to do? That type of thing. So it, it does help to have that communications and, and just understand Absolutely. that yeah. you and can see things in the tree differently than what you're seeing from the ground right. by, by a long stretch. But yep. just uh, just uh, wanted to piggyback off of, off your comment because you're, you're absolutely correct, that language barrier. But uh, And also just qualifications, you know, especially trees. You know, this is, this is an investment. Uh, it's one it, thing it to improperly prune a, a salvia, but it's another thing when you're messing with your trees and you get some jerk that doesn't really know but thinks he's a tree expert. You got to go with a certified arborist every time. In my opinion. Well, yeah, you do, and I, I found um, we ended up in a situation with her with her big heritage red oak that from some of the trimming in the past, way before I kind of got involved with it, was that they they trimmed and everything kind of grew way out, and then it started adding extra weight when they should have been trimming some of that that was way out versus thinning it out in the center type thing, and so it yeah. just. It, but the stress from this, from the winter, and also from this past summer, hasn't helped any on. on no, I think that's so. why I lost the big middle trunk of my red oak this week. It, it just fell, and I, I I didn't know it happened, so it must have been I must have been gone. But oh my god, it was huge! But I, yeah. the other trunk had already fallen in the ice, so I think this one got damaged, weakened, probably split, like you're saying, and then it just finally got so top heavy uh, that it just. It just crashed down. So I'm going to miss that fall. There's an art to it. Yeah, there certainly is. There definitely is an art. But, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your show. Hey, thank you for calling. I appreciate your input. And we are going to take that last break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. We have a caller online, but if y'all want to join in, 512-836-0590. That is a call or text number. Let's go to Central Austin. Hey, Robert, thanks for calling. Hi, good morning. Uh, Thank you for taking my call, religious listener. Um, So my issue is really related to the fact that, just like you mentioned, um, I lost um, the main bow of one of my live oaks. Uh, the importance, you know, not, you know, I mean, the tree seems to be doing fine and that's not the reason for my call, but it's in my front yard um, and along, along essentially what is my, you know, uh, garage window, um, I had three, uh, three, three or four, actually, excuse me, five Japanese aurelias mm-hmm. um, that's been there well-established for about five years. Um, and when I lost that bow, it turned that very nice shaded area where I have a stone patio built um, into basically, you know, it took away the, took away the main source of shade for the, for the aurelias. Mm. And then over this past summer, uh, one by one, starting with the one who had the most sun exposure, um, they, the leaves all just, you know, burnt up, um, and then the stalks just died, um, and now all of them have died. So, you know, according to my arborist, um, it's going to take, you know, easily, you know, five to ten years 
that now to grow back to a minimum degree that the shade would be restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's probably not, you know, so what I'd like your advice about is that I'm kind of at a loss to think what plants I could put back along that wall, which has a southern exposure. Mm, um, because now from being going from completely dappled shade, it's gone to a completely sunny area in the afternoon. Well, two things I would suggest. One, you could always go with, like, roses. Like, knockout roses are so easy. Okay. Uh, but if you uh-huh. want if you want a fragrant rose, you can look at some of the antique roses. Um, they're, they're in all shapes and sizes, and they, you know, a lot of them still have a fragrance, like Old Blush uh, would be a okay. good one. Uh, and also, there's another evergreen that I love called Loropetalum. Uh, Laurel, yeah, okay. also known as Chinese fringe, is a, a okay. lovely a lovely plant that is evergreen. It gets azalea-like flowers in the spring. In other words, it looks pink and gorgeous, and all the new leaves come out burgundy, and it, it's a lovely plant. Uh, so, okay. yeah, but so I'd look at those two for starters. I mean, I can think of fifty different things. Um, depends uh-huh. on what color you like. You know, you could go with yellow. If you like yellow, you could do thryallis. Uh, there are. Yeah, I like I like all color. More color, the better. Yeah. Uh, or even mix it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, you could mix it up too. You know, get different colors. Okay. Do you think Do you think the bees would be an issue? Since, like, like I said, it is kind of a. It's kind of becomes the back wall of a of a round stone patio sitting area. Not with uh, knockout roses or loropetalum. Okay. Neither of those. Laurel. Yeah, neither the loropetalum, and I'll spell it for you: L O R O, and then petal, and then U M okay. loropetalum, okay. also known as. Okay. Ch- yeah. So I, but knockouts don't have any fragrance, so they're not really. They're just a, a bulletproof bloomer. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. I'll take that advice. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you so much All for your call. Right. Good luck. Bye-bye. Right. Love your show. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was sweetie. Okay. Somebody wanted to know the name of my landscaping company, and it is KevinWoodLandscapes.com. That's how you get a hold. Uh, here's another one. Our 25-year-old wonderful burr oak has had a growing infestation of twig girdlers over the years. Um, we've followed your advice to collect the girdle limb tips as often as possible for trash disposal. Over the last few months, there are much fewer drop tips. Any thoughts on girdler activity for the coming months? Thanks for your good advice, John and Jackie Colleen. They don't do much damage, if any. Twig girdlers t- typically just prune off the very, very tippy tips. Uh, but you're smart to pick them up because, as you've heard us talk about, they will uh, then burrow down into the soil and over winter, and then they go back up. Bloody, bloody, like things like, you know, plum curculio, they do the same thing. This is why we always say have a good thick mulch because when you have these things that, um, need to burrow into an overwinter in the uh, soil. If you have enough mulch, they can't really get through it to, you know, get down in there. So 
Um, that would be, and that especially for fruit trees, y'all. You definitely you have to have good mulch around your fruit trees in a great big old area because that is one of the things that really helps. That and dormant oil sprays when they're leafless in the winter. Um, but yeah, I would not worry about the twig girdlers too much. If you get, if you can pick them up, pick them up, um, and you should be okay. Let's see. Here's another text. And by the way, five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Call or text. Um, hi, Cheryl. I wondered if you know what are the swarms of insects I am seeing in my front yard. I can't tell what they are, but they fly as quickly as bees and wasps, which I wonder if they are, but they started coming out after our very first rain a couple of weeks ago, and they're out in the front yard again today. I've noticed them in my yard and in one other neighbor's yard, so I just wanted to know what they are uh, or if you might guess. I don't know what they are. I have not seen this. Um, typically, when you see a whole bunch of things like that, it, it's what we call a hatching. And, um, you know, probably not anything to worry about whatsoever because typically the, the predators will then come in and... Um, I mean, if you can grab one uh, in a jar or something, you might be have a good shot at uh, getting an ID on them. But uh, otherwise, I have not experienced that. So if anybody else has had a swarm of insects hatching and knows what they're talking about, I don't know where y'all are, um, what, what part of town, but... Uh, no, I don't have a guess on it. could be something beneficial, though. You know, like... I don't know how big they are either. So if they're little tiny wasps, they could be those uh, wonderful little beneficial wasps um, that, you know, they're in those galls of the oak leaves and stuff like that. It's interesting how things will hatch all at once, though. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to see when it happens. Okay, here's another text. Hi, Cheryl. I have several dwarf yopon holly bushes planted close to each other, which are about 12 years old. Um, one quickly turned totally brown. Some others now have brown leaves. What could be the problem? How do I keep this from happening to the remaining yopons? Um, well, I mean, of course I'm going to jump straight to drought. Um, they're very drought resistant, but it could be that they got too dry. Uh, that would be the first thing to check on. Like, if you have an irrigation system, none of us are really up when our irrigation systems go off at 5 in the morning or whatever. So we're not really seeing whether we're getting the coverage we think we are. You may have to um, get somebody to look at your system if you think that could be an issue. Sometimes things block the heads. Um, you know, you may have it watered just great, and then all of a sudden something... Something thick comes up in front of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we probably can rule out most diseases. They're really not at all disease-prone. Uh, dwarf yopons are, are about as bulletproof. Now, they are 12 years old. Um, I've seen them live a lot longer than that. But we have had such extremes, so much stress on our plants, that it could be that it didn't take much to push them over the edge, just like, you know, a lot of drought. 
Um, so I'm, I can't give you a, a definite answer, but I would definitely check the irrigation situation. And if you don't have an irrigation system uh, and you were just like hand watering or putting out a sprinkler once in a while, it would have had to go for quite a long time to really get deeply soaked, right? I mean, this is what was so awesome about the rain that we did get. I mean, it was a good soaking rain, just uh, just what we needed. And again, I don't know if it, I mean, it certainly wasn't enough to fill up Lake Travis or anything. Hopefully we'll get that this fall. Um, but it was, uh, it was just excellent to revitalize things. My beauty berries were so darn wilted, I thought they're going to die. They're never coming back. Well, they are perky little things. Just didn't take but that little couple, three morning events to to uh, raise them back up. So they look very happy, as I said, my Turks cap do too. So anyway, let's cross our fingers. Hopefully it's not going to get terribly hot again. And maybe we'll even get some more rain one of these days. But uh, let's all celebrate it and go sit outside somewhere. So thank you so much for listening to the Austin Gardener today. Again, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. And if you need some help with your landscape, go to kevinwoodlandscapes.com. See you next Sunday.